0: Welcome to Trust Me, the podcast. We are your hosts, Beth Finkel and Kiana Salucci,
1: And we are here to share with you how we create magic in our everyday while balancing family, careers, and relationships. What is up, guys? I'm so excited to be here with Beth and you guys. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. And we are actually going to get into something that is near and dear to my heart. For those of you guys that don't know, I have been a part of the beauty industry for, gosh, for my entire life, to be honest with you. But but professionally, I would say well over 15 years. I've taught in the beauty industry. I've worked in the beauty industry. I own a salon back in PA. I own a suite up in South Portland, Maine or Scarborough, Maine, rather. I live in South Portland. Um, and I have surrounded my life within this industry. And it is a beautiful industry to get in and to understand and to know. So whether you're on the professional side or the consumer side, it's a great industry. Um, and you guys know with, with anything, there's you know pros and cons. But overall, I am so excited and happy to be a part of this industry. Um, I'm not sure if you guys follow statistics about the industry and things like that. And I know that we all participate in the industry, some shape or form. But just to get into some statistics um, about the industry, it is a multi billion dollar industry that has climbed the charts year after year after year. And even during the pandemic and the shutdown, it was one of the only industries that continued to soar. Today, I just want to kind of get into um, what what the standards look like and talk about how to kick out. And when I say kick out, I mean kick out, throw out, burn, bury, what the industry has made us to believe and the standards that they put on it because they're so unrealistic. So we want to talk about how to kick the beauty industry standards out and create a lifelong, sustainable beauty image within ourselves.
0: Oh, I love that. I'm here for it. Honestly, as mostly a consumer, you know, even as we were prepping for this talk, I looked up the definition of standard. Yeah. And standard being this idea or thing that we use as a measure of good. A measure of normal, like the best, right? And just inherently, even when we say the word standard, we're already putting ourselves against something if we don't feel we meet that standard.
1: Yep. And I feel like sometimes we become our own worst enemy because yep. we almost intake that standard of of what someone else looks at or what they believe in and the the beauty industry standard is unrealistic because it is built on one certain kind of person
0: oh tell us more about that
1: so over the years we know that the industry the 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 standards in the industry changes right so it's forever changing it's not a one-all be-all you know it can go from it went from being, you know, you know, fair skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, paper thin. And we know that in this new Western world, like, you know, it's changed. We, you know, now it's, you know, fuller thighs, fuller lips, you know, tanner skin, darker skin, those sort of things. And they are forever changing, but they're based on one kind person
0: yeah
1: and if you are that person that consumes all of that and sucks in all of that you can find yourself in some really dark places because you may not fit that standard and that standard is just a almost like a guideline of how to fit in yeah and we're all, like, everyone's built different. Everyone looks different. And if we all look the same, there will be no such thing as beauty.
0: Yeah. I really am intrigued, even myself right now, because when I, I thought about beauty, I was more so thinking about it in the essence of, like, your face, And sort of that type of thing. But the way that you describe it, which I think is absolutely right, is it's so much more than that. It's your figure. It's your clothing. It's your hair. Yep. It's it's how much you sleep at night. It's how much water you're drinking. All of these things go into what mainstream society tells us is beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we live in a world of influencers, guys. They're everywhere. You know, influencers are the the new marketers. You know, they were once bloggers and bloggers, and now they're influencers. Um, and we have to realize that it's okay to kind of see what's in, what's out. But we have to know how much of that to take in, right? Because if you're at a point in your life and you don't have that beautiful white kitchen, if you don't have that beautiful white furniture mm-hmm. and that picket fence house and this is what you are taking in every day of what you should have or what it looks like or how good it is. Like that's enough to like, have you look around at yourself and look at your house and the things that you don't have and Mm -hmm. almost like make you feel worse. Yeah. You know, I
0: love when you're on Instagram and you see the post it that say, you know, welcome to this side of Instagram where normal size houses And, and places that look like kids actually live there. Like, is that an actual side of Instagram? Because I'm really trying to get there.
1: And you got to understand guys, this is not, this is their job, right? (laughs) It's, it's their job. They're getting paid for an image for it to look like that. So like just understand that like, it's okay. And don't get me wrong. And I'm not putting down any kind of influencer or anything of that standard. Cause I do understand I'm a part of that industry as being a beauty professional is yeah, to influence definitely. people on like, what's hot, what's new, you know, how to achieve this look. So I'm a hundred percent there, but we have to be realistic, right?
0: Yeah.
1: If that's for instance, if I'm selling, oh, beautiful, full blonde hair is it the end all be all and you're a person that has thinner hair that's brown that may be on a limper side you already don't fit in mm-hmm. you already don't fit in to what i'm already putting out there so understand that like self-confidence comes from within it starts within and to all my beauty professionals out there that are behind the chair, just understand that, like, even when you're talking to your people, when you're talking to your clientele, your guests in your chair, you know, just have them understand that, like, I'm here to enhance what's already there. I'm not here yeah. to change anything. I'm not here to make you look like anything. I am here to enhance the beauty that you all already have and understand that we all have it, no matter what you look like, no matter how you're shaped, no matter, you know, what your material things that you have, the one the things that you don't have. Understand that beauty and acceptance all starts in the inside. Yeah. And then that radiates out. It's not the opposite way around.
0: And you know, I'm even thinking about it like a level deeper with young girls. You know, we both have daughters. And I'm very conscious about this with my daughter, Albany, who's seven, and I already am seeing her like staying a little bit too long in the mirror, like she has kind of her own hair routine in the morning. And while that's fine, and I'm not trying to stop her from doing these things, I don't want her to get obsessed with them. And for so long, you know, as I listen to people, you know, they'll be like, oh, your daughter, Albany, she's so pretty. Or when they they talk to her, you're so pretty. Albany, you're so pretty. And at home, I, I started to tell her, Albany, you are so pretty, but you're also so smart, so funny, so goofy. Like, I try to really make a point to say these things often to her. So that she knows it's not just about her being pretty, which she is, but that is not what defines her. Yeah. But that's pretty scary to me. That's scary to me that I'm now watching her looking at herself like I just can feel her staring at herself a little bit longer in the mirror than she ever has before. And I'm just like kind of wondering, you know, what's in your head? And that's when I try to intervene as her mom. Like I know she takes a long time to get herself together for bed. So I try to actually go in there to like get curious about what's happening in her head yeah, and ask her questions.
1: I think already by you even like thinking those things and and instilling that into her now that, you know, it's not about the outward image. You know, that's only, a, that's not even a fraction, that's like a small fraction of what it is, but it's all about what's inside, you know, and having that be the forefront of it all and not necessarily, like, what it looks like. Because, like like we talked about, you know, the the beauty industry is always changing. So, what's in today won't be in tomorrow. So, you know, instilling those values into your children are some of the most important things that you can do. I do that with Zara um, and not so much with Indy now, but I'm in a few years, I'm going to have these same conversations, but with Zara, like she's already said things like, Oh mom, I wish my hair was blonde or I wish my hair was straight. And having these conversations with her and having her understand, honey, you know, And I pull up pictures just for reference because I know that as a young girl, I didn't have references like that. People that look like me weren't in the starlight as much. You know, I didn't have anyone to model after besides like my mom and things like that. But I didn't have, you know, even like, gosh, like Disney characters or people on TV or anything like that. I didn't have that. And now I look around I'm like, oh, my God, she has that. And it makes me feel so good. But teaching her to love every kink and curly coil that she has on her head and embracing that. Because I tell her, I'm like, Zara, I know. And she says, Mommy, I love my hair. I'm like, I know. But one day you're going to appreciate this more than you think you ever will. Yeah. And because those coils and those kinks are more than just, oh my God, she has pretty curly hair. It's way more deeper than that. It's heritage to me, you know? so once she's old enough to understand that i think she'll you know get on a deeper level than that but just correcting those small little words now
0: you make such a, an amazing point that i don't that i just want to underscore for a minute you talk about diversity and and zara being able to see herself in the characters of disney films
1: yeah
0: i'm not sure that i would give them that much credit because i think that was like within the last 7 years right, right. So, you know, we can do better there. For but sure. I also think in our own homes, we can do better as a community by buying things for young girls. Daws, for example. How many times have you gone to someone's house and there's probably not a da that looks like Zara, right? right. So making sure that you're buying cultural daws to add to the white dolls that are plentiful on the shelves things like books like that's another big thing we have a free little library in the front yard and anytime i buy books i make sure that there's variety of different looks and feels and people in those books so that everybody can see themselves there so while it might be harder to go after like the blockbusters, the Disney's of the world, there are things that we can do as a community to start breaking that quote unquote standard that's out there. Yeah. I mean, I I, don't want to speak for you and, and I'd love to hear just your perspective on that from your lived experience.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, like I was kind of tapped in before, like there wasn't representation And that is so, so important for me. And even growing up, and especially in like my middle school years, it was very hard Mm -hmm. just trying to see and feel like I belonged. And there wasn't, like I said, there wasn't any representation. There wasn't, and the representation that was out there was always on the negative side. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it was always the second or third character in a movie or a storybook. It was never the, the, the main. The protagonist yeah. was. It was never the main character and things like that. And even with like the Little Mermaid coming out, I think it's in like two weeks or so. Um, the new Little Mermaid. Like, yeah. I try to block out all negative things that do not feed me spiritually, physically, emotionally. So I try to block out, but sometimes I get curious and I don't want to yeah. see or hear what the people are saying. And some of the comments and some of the feelings and some of the things that are coming out, and I understand that we all have preferences, right? Sometimes when they go remake a movie that I grew up on, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know about that one. You know, I get it. But when it comes down to a character and what they look like as in race. Yeah. You know, it's
0: not, it's not about them. It's, it's not about it, them.
1: It's like this character isn't even real. So why does it matter that her skin's darker and her hair, you know, color it has shifted a little bit um, and the texture shift, like all those things. And I'm like, people, you understand that these aren't, th- it's a character. It's a mermaid yeah. for God's sake, you know? Yeah. And for me, for my daughter, when we show her the trailers of this movie, the smile that went across oh her gosh. face, like literally, brought tears to my eyes because I'm like, she is seeing someone in the spotlight—a Disney princess that looks exactly like she does, has and the same textured that, hair, yeah. the same skin color. How can adults—and it's all adults, right?—because kids are resilient. They don't—they they don't see that kind of thing. They—they they see it once it's. Sh- brought out to them, but like going in, they don't see that kind of stuff. But when you see grown adults and that have seen characters look like them their whole entire life to have the Elsas and the Cinderella's and the, every other Disney princess for the most part look like them and to have a chance where diversity is in full effect and for have someone else see themselves as that character To me, to shame it is you're saying more than what you think you are. Yeah, it's atrocious. It's atrocious.
0: I will say one of the actresses that I really respect in Hollywood is Barbie Ferreira, who was on Euphoria. And she openly talks a lot about image and how she essentially left euphoria because all they wanted to do was write her as the fat best friend like that's Mm -hmm. all they were going and willing to give to her and she says you know there's so much more to me than that and if they're not willing to see it then I need to go somewhere where I am valued for my talents and not what I look like
1: and I, I feel that on every level because, you know, being different is hard. It is so hard. So if you think that you are different in any kind of way, whether it be your body type, your skin color, you know, anything on that scale, like it's hard. It's hard to keep pushing through when you know that like you're not as accepted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking about a few episodes back and I I don't remember which one we, we were talking about this, but you said something along the lines of like, I feel like I've always had to be sort of like a chameleon. Yeah. And, and want to bring that back up because I'm wondering if that is a good thing. Like, is that a good thing that you felt like you always had to shape and shift to fit in to explain a little bit. Oh my gosh. Beth, I
1: can I can go. We can make a whole episode about the chameleon. But it is if and on this podcast, like we are just being truthful and vulnerable and putting those things out and raw. And yeah. Like it wasn't until like I think on that episode we talked I think that was the episode of saying like who are you? I think that was that episode. And in some ways and sometimes I still feel like that chameleon. And even though I am striving every day to better that person inside. But pretty much my entire life was spent being that. And what does that mean? Because I always had to think about how I... I always had to be careful and almost dot my eyes. And cross my T's, so that I wouldn't be too much. And what I mean by that is, God, we're going to get there. We're going to go there, Beth. That's true. But I remember even when I worked at a, a place, when I worked at a salon, that was a whole different demographic that I was, that I grew up in, that I was, that I was ever surrounded in. And I had to camouflage who I was to fit in, to be the standard, right? And I almost had to put my accomplishments and the things that I've done and the things that I've built first before I could even almost say my name. Wow. And it was the standard. Just so you could set the tone. Just so I could set the tone. Wow. And if you have never had to do that, then kudos to you. But if you ever had to almost cover up yourself and put a cloak on or to, to put a shield on and become something else, it is not only crippling, but it's hard. Because that person that you are deep inside is like, hey, what about me? I wanna come out. I'm good. I'm good enough too, yeah. you know? And these were in my years, and these were early in my 20s too, where, you know, my sense of self wasn't there. We've all been there, right? Where you weren't confident 100% of who you were. You hung up with people because everyone else hung with them. You did the things that everyone else did. We've all been there. And if you are in that situation now, turn up the volume. And if you've come out of that situation, I'm clapping for you. But we've all been in those situations where we felt that. And I'm pretty sure at some point. And it wasn't until my 30s. And that's a long time. It wasn't until my 30s that I was like, oh, screw this. I'm being exactly who I am. I'm being exactly how, you know, what I was born to be. I'm speaking the the way I want to speak. I am saying and doing the things I want to do. And who's going to check me? Who's going to check me, boo? Who's going to check me, boo? And that's (laughs) the kind of attitude that I went into this new chapter of my life with.
0: That's so powerful to hear. That's so powerful to hear.
1: Because it was like smothering. It was smothering. Can you imagine always having to be like on? No, I mean,
0: the only only thing I will say, you know, for me is I'm multiracial. And for me, what I feel like I resonate with in, in your story is that it was easier to always fit a certain box that was right. And you start to assimilate into that, but that is not natural yeah and it same type of thing it wasn't until probably after college where i started to be really proud of the multiracial background that i have Mm -hmm. really proud to say you know i have a black grandfather who were who married a white grandmother and you know being mixed race Wasn't always something that people and we're from a very diverse area, right? But being mixed race, it was, I will say, flat out always easier to be the white part of that race, right? It was always more accepting in circles that I was in, in jobs that I had. It was always more accepting to assimilate into that half of me. So, as I was exploring that, it's like you know, I'm ignoring such a crucial part of who I am. Yeah. I even remember, you know, when I would, you know, I get really dark in the summer and one of my aunts telling me, you know, be careful. You don't want to get out, stay out too much in the sun. You're going to get all blotchy. And I, I don't know why it was important at that time, but I remember hearing that and like what I heard was, don't get too dark. Stay okay. as white as you can.
1: Well, there's, that's a lot of races that are that are like that. I know in the the, um, the Asian culture, it's the darker ones are usually the ones that have worked in the field and things like that. So it's almost like a status thing. The same way it is yeah. here, you know?
0: And it wasn't said to me like, don't, you know, it, it was just almost like you don't want your skin to get too dark. Yeah. But now I'm like as I think about that, it's like, but that's my skin. (laughs) Even if I wear sunscreen, actually, in fact, I wear sunscreen a lot and I sit under the shade, I still get super dark. So it's not like I can even control it.
1: Yeah. And I remember, it's crazy, like growing up was very, image was a very, very, very important role growing up. And, and, And I think it's just systematic trauma and racism and D all of the above. Yeah. And I remember like always having, like having to be put together at Mm -hmm. every single point, every single point. Like, make sure your hair is combed. Make sure this. Oh, your hair is not done. You can't go. Your hair is not done. You can't do this. This is, and I remember that being so strong in my culture. And when you carry that your whole life, that's your new standard, right? That's a standard that even loved ones put on you because of their trauma, because of their yeah. trauma. Their, you know, like, this is generations. Of making sure you were put together because the more put together you were, the more chances of being accepted you would be.
0: You know, you're spot on there because that's probably exactly what was happening. And yeah. it was probably to stay in a certain acceptable lane. Yep. You know, I believe I was applying for colleges at this point, starting to do some things in there. And it was like, you know, Don't get, don't get blotchy is what I kind of remember.
1: Yep. And that's how it was. Like, even for me, it was like, don't be too loud. Make sure. I remember like having conversations and not everyone are born with the same advantages. Everyone does not start, like start at the same point. And we know that. Right. And if you don't know that now, you know that we do not all have the same playing field. And we don't have the, all the same advantages. And I remember when I was younger going to school and my parents would like, before we walked out of door, and I think I talked about this before, my dad would always say, are you going to be a leader or a follower every day, even in, through high school, my whole entire life, he said that. And I am so, I would cherish that forever. And I do that to my kids. It's the best thing that he could, the best impression that he could leave on me. but. I remember those conversations and it was way more than one from my parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents. And it was like, don't talk too loud. Make sure you pronounce out your, pronunciate your words just to float by. Make sure they your hair is combed.
0: They yeah. were protecting you.
1: Yeah. Make sure your hair is calm. Make sure you're this. Make sure you're clean. Make sure you're, your are Like all of these things. And a lot of those things, don't get me wrong. I take with me, but a lot of those things, I know they were trauma that for generations of my ancestors that had to go through those things that, you know, keeping quiet was the best thing you could do. You know, if you want to talk, you make sure that you're educated. You make sure you say the right words. You make sure you answer the way, right way. You make sure that when you're, out, when you're out in public that you didn't.
0: You had to be use, double good.
1: Double good. You know, use your inside voice always. Be confident, but do not be too confident. Do You know, all of these things and... You know, when I'm raising my children now, I'm like, be you. You know, mm-hmm. be you. And then I remember my mom <laughs> when she, she wrote me something from Mother's Day, but she was saying, like, you know, you were always my child that, you know, always asked questions. You know, you were always the loud one. You're always the one that has something to say. You were always, and and she was like, you know, and as a kid, you know, it might've been very annoying for her, but as an adult, (laughs) I think that like, it shaped me to be that person that I am today because I've always, I feel like I've always could show confidence, but I have not always felt confident.
0: And you've probably not always known how to, be compassionate to yourself when you waver
1: yeah
0: and you know that's the thing for me when we talk about beauty standards just broadly with like the widest broadest brush that we have i think a big component of that is just learning to accept who you are as you are
1: as you are and that's it that's that's it if you take away this standard that someone else I don't even know who to point the finger at, but like take away this standard that someone else has put on you. Take we that don't out. know,
0: but if you know, you tell us, we're fine. Listen, s-
1: send us a link. Cause I got something to say, right? So like <laughs> <laughs> take that standard that someone else put on you, take that and bury it, burn it and sho- do whatever. Shove
0: it, Shove it up your ass.
1: Shove it up your ass and then take it out and burn <laughs> it again. So take, you know, take that out out of the equation and create a standard that's built for yourself.
0: Yeah. What
1: makes you feel beautiful? And I'm not talking about looks. I'm talking about whatever beauty means to you. What makes you feel beautiful? Is that working out? Is that, you know, having a skincare routine? Is that a Botox? Is that getting your hair done, getting your nails done, getting pedicures? massages whatever
0: is, is that on your radar nat- you know i'm thinking about just being natural like i'm being just natural trying to think what what beauty um well just the other day actually when we were in your salon and yeah. you were talking to me about face face routines and i'm yeah. like so this was probably a couple months ago
1: yeah
0: and i'm like well what do you do and you kind of started going through your face routine and i automatically was like shit shit Shit, I don't do any of that. I'm going to have wrinkles. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm like, tell, send me the link. Send me Wait, the link on Amazon. But, like, can
1: you? But can you be honest? Have I sent you any of that stuff? No. I haven't. And the reason why is because I don't want to project onto you. I want you, if your skincare routine that you're doing is working because you were gorgeous. Your skin is flawless. It's working. You have that covered. Don't think that because it's something that I do that you have to do. Now, if you came to me, you said, hey, key, like, you know, I know that, you know, my skin's been breaking out. You know, I know that you have all this self. Do, Do you recommend something? I will give you a recommendation. Oh, try this or try that or try my skin girl or whatever. But just because, and I've just recently got like this, just because I do something for me does not mean that you have to. I
0: have to say, I love that. What you do for you is what is right. But I will tell you, I have started a skin routine. <laughs> I've been using some beauty counter products because I like their mission. I like mm-hmm. how they're good on the environment. And I like how they're starting to focus on mental, the mental health aspect. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, no matter what product you use, find the one that works for you. The thing that makes me feel most beautiful is that 10 minutes at the end of every day that I'm spending in my bathroom alone, you know, taking my time with these different things, even as silly as like putting on that spa headband makes me feel beautiful because I'm caring about myself and taking care of myself.
1: And that is that's what it is. That's what it's about. That's the standard. Take out the beauty industry standard and take in your own standard. Do what makes you feel good. Have a system that works for me. And for me, it takes a it takes a village. <laughs> I do a little bit of everything. I do. <laughs> I do. I, do. I tap into a little bit of everything. I try it. If I like it, I'll do it again. If I don't like it, I won't do it again but I tap into, and a part of most of it is because I'm actually in the industry. Right. So I know the insides and things like that. And I'm in tune. Like I said, this is my life. I've done this for, gosh, I would say at least 25 years. I've been part, I've grew up in the salon. I grew up in the industry, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's me, it's who I am. So, but like, wait, do you want to, do you want me to tell you about my skincare routine?
0: Yeah, tell me because I'm actually sitting here. You're finally going to get it.
1: Are you finally going to get it? I'm thinking if
0: you have one of those rollers that like you put in the. I do.
1: I do do have a jade roller. (laughs) I don't use it as much anymore, but I do. I do have a jade roller, and when I'm feeling puffy, a lot of times when I travel, I do. I use that when I'm feeling a little puffy and I need to kind of like you know. I I use my jade. Don't don't laugh, Beth. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I do, and for those of you guys that want to know. Here you go. And for those that don't want to know, turn down your volume. Um, but So I have an extensive face routine. Um, and I finally found products and I finally have a routine that works for me. And everyone's is going to be different. This is not the end all be all. And just because I'm doing it does not mean you have to do it. And if I'm influencing you to do something that you don't want to do, then don't do it. Don't and if bitch. I'm in, don't, don't bitch. Don't bitch. Don't get into it. But if you're needing some <laughs> tips and you're looking for some new products, I got you. Uh, and this is not a paid advertisement. Um yet. <laughs> But yet, right? We're, <laughs> we're, we're reaching out to those. Tap in. Um, but so I use a lot of skin suitable products. Um, one of the cleansers that they use is the LHA cleanser. You know what LHA is, Beth? No. So it's a lipohydroxy acid um, cleanser. And it just removes any kind of excess makeup. Um it has some salicylic acid, some glycolic acid um, that just helps turn over skin, deep cleansing and brighten skin tone. Uh, and then after I do my skincare, and and this was actually told to me um, by my skin girl. Um, and she actually does my Botox too. She's amazing. Um, she has a place in the city called Skin Distry. Her name is Caitlin Nelson. The Plastics on Instagram. She's amazing. But she was telling me, because I was like, what product should I invest in? And she's like the ones that stay on. So we'll talk about that. So then after I do my cleanser, um, I go in with a toner. And for those of you guys that don't know what toners are... Um, toners are usually, sometimes they come in spray bottles. Sometimes they come in like glass jars or, uh, plastic, um, containers, but usually you would use like some kind of like, um, swab or, you know, cotton pad, whatever to put them on. And they just remove any excess buildup of makeup or anything that might be still left on the skin. They, uh, cleanse out the pores, um, and they balance the pH. And if you guys don't know a lot of cleansers and things like that have a makeup, have um, a higher pH. Um, and on the scale, on the pH scale, your skin and hair lies in anywhere between 4.5 to 5.5. 5. So toners help to kind of bring it down to that neutral stage. Um, and they just get your skin ready for your moisturizer. Um, so after I do my toner, I do a vitamin C serum. And that just goes on. That improves any kind of acne or dark spots and wrinkles and things like that that we may not be happy with. Or ones that Mm -hmm. we want to um, reduce or to get ahead of the game so you don't, you know, get as as many. Um, And then after I do my um, vitamin C, I go straight on to my moisturizer. My moisturizer that I use is Dermalogica um, Active Moisture because I have very oily skin. So it just helps to lock in the moisture that's already there, put some vitamins back in, but calms the skin so I don't get a hyperactive um pseudoriferous gland or oil gland, which is your sebaceous gland. And then I go in with the SPF because that is one of the most important things you can do to protect your skin. And then I go about my day.
0: Oh, I love that. So all of that, how long does that take you?
1: Oh, like minutes. Like it like I I have it down to like the a science. Like I can do it with my eyes closed. And your skin looks so good. I and you know what's so crazy? I've never had anyone compliment me on my skin ever in my life until like my later twenties is when I start doing the routine.
0: Was that trial and error? Oh my gosh! I tried
1: first. Yes, I've tried so many different things, um, and some things that worked, and then I start using them for a while and they stop working. But for me, like I said, um, and to get back into what. Caitlin said, uh, I was asking I was like, what products do you know to invest in? Because you guys know facial products are expensive. Barry. You know, so you it's it's so you don't want to invest in a hefty, you know, priced product if it's not gonna work for you. Right. Or you wanna know what to which ones to invest in. And I remember talking to her and she goes, invest in, in the ones that stay on. So like your your moisture, your moisturizer, your vitamin C serums you know your toners, things like that. And not that your cleansers aren't important, but you wash them right off. Right. You know. Now,
0: how long um how long did it take for you to start seeing a difference or an enhancement?
1: I think it took a while and only because we have to understand, right? The skin is forever changing you know what you, the kind of skin you had 5 years ago isn't the kind of skin you have now the older we get we lose elasticity um our skin tends to get drier and drier so understand that your skin routine what you're using right now may be changing so if you have a product that or products that you're using you're like oh my god these products are shit they're not working anymore and it's like uh, it might not be that it might be just a simple fact that your skin's changing and you have yeah. to now catered to what you have now. And that's just what, that's with hair. That's with skin. That's with everything. Do we have the same bodies we have when we were 15 years old?
0: Right. No. Right.
1: Sometimes I've been over. I'm like, oh, what was that? <laughs> was that? Was it well, supposed to make that noise?
0: I will say I've been using my products and I kind of went, you know, with, with beauty counter because I feel like I don't have a, a, face person like you do you're in the industry and you're you're connected in that way so i felt like it was a little bit less navigation for me to go with like a line and beauty counter um but it's i've been using it for about six weeks and same thing is happening people are are starting to say to me you know you look so rested and let me just say i am rested
1: oh we know (laughs)
0: We know, we know and I don't play around with rest, so I will never let the the beauty routine take credit Interfere for that. that. <laughs> Interfere, take credit, it's both. But there's something about the hydration. I don't feel like my skin is um irritated anymore. Yeah. I just feel like it's feels like it's saying thank you to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but and at I the think end that, of
0: the day, I like the time that I have devoted to doing it too. Like I have yeah. kind of loved that little time for myself.
1: Yeah, as well. And I think that you should. I think that like do what works for you. Find that routine that works for you. And like, just to go back when when I was saying that it takes a whole village. Like, it's my skincare routine, but it's also some Botox. And this is something that works for me that I enjoy doing. I do it twice a year and I do it as a preventative so that things won't progress. Yeah, um, And I know, I know that's still one of those things that people are like,
0: oh my God. I will They're tell going. you, it's one of the things that come up pretty frequently in conversations with me and my friends and you know it's it you get such a different take on it, depending on how educated you are on the topic. I personally yeah. don't do botox and and for me, that's because I don't ever like feeling like I have to keep up with something i c yeah. that kind of automatically puts me into a cage. Yeah. And we talked about this before. I'm an Aquarius. I don't like to be put into a box. So if I know I have to do things on a certain cadence, I'm already rebelling against that. Right. Right. So but what I do is try to educate myself on the other like I try and you and I have had this conversation yeah, of yeah. a handful. Like I try to try on your perspective. Yeah. And your lens being that you are in this industry.
1: Yeah. And I like those kind of things they don't like and of course, right when I originally thought of Botox when I was younger, I thought that oh my gosh, I don't want to look like the cat lady. You know what I mean? Like yeah. oh, I love my face. Why would I want to change it? And it's like Botox isn't changing your face. We're not doing like a facelift or any kind of surgery. Like it's not changing your face at all. Um, If anything is, it's just tightening the muscle, the things that you already have. So right. we always talk about we all do those things and. I like to look at like Botox fillers and all that kind of stuff. I like to look at it the same way I look at hair color and nails mm. and things like that. We do things every day to enhance our beauty. So rather you're doing it at home and you're coloring your hair with box color, shame on you. Do what you got to do though, you know, or you're going to the salon and you're getting your highlights or says
0: the stylist,
1: says the stylist <laughs> right? And I'm talking, I'm talking to the <laughs> stylist first. But, um, so those things that we're doing, we're doing it to enhance what we already have. So if it's getting your eyebrows done, if it's getting your nails done, if it's getting your, you know, whatever that is. So I don't want to, I look at this as a whole and not categorizing it like, oh, I get my hair colored, but oh, shame on you for getting Botox or filler. Oh, I'm getting this, but shame on you for getting that, that wrinkle reducer or that, you know, that you know, light therapy or whatever it is that you're doing. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like just because you don't do something does not mean you should shame people for doing it. Do whatever makes you feel good. And I think that's what we have to prioritize first. Now, if you're going to get the filler and the Botox and the, and the light therapy and all this stuff, because someone is telling you that's the standard and that's what you should do. Then you're not doing it for yourself, and you're doing for, doing it for other people. And yes, that's a bad thing,
0: right? That's you should what never. Gonna check you.
1: That, that, that's where we're going to check you. But if you're doing these things for you, and it makes you feel good, and you're responsible with it, and you feel your, your greatest self by doing it, then who am I to tell you not? And that's where I'm at, and and with this topic is like, do what makes you feel good. Like feel
0: good in your body, like to feel good in your body. Yes. And I think it's just, if we have influenced you to do anything today, it's It's to really look at what you're bringing in to advise, like what's advising you as to what is good and what is not good. If it's mainstream media if it's certain brands that aren't responsible
1: yeah. if
0: it's not the professionals right like you need to really kind of check where you're getting your information and make sure that you're setting your your standards like the you mm-hmm. the me your standards up appropriately based on good yeah. information
1: yeah And I think that's where we're going to leave this at is create your own standard. If it does not feel good to you and you feel like you're living up to someone else's expectations, then change that. If going to get Botox, filler, whatever makes you feel good, then do it. If getting your hair colored makes you feel good inside and that's going to radiate out to the most important beauty, like then do
0: it. The one thing that I would add is that emotions can be very contagious yeah. Especially negative ones. So if you're out there in your group of women and your friends are like, oh, I, I'm not this, I'm not that. One thing that I started to do is like, stop it. Yeah. You don't need to be this or that. You just need to be what works for you. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, I'm not a size this. I'm not, a, you don't need to be that. Yeah. You need to be a size that you feel good
1: in. Right. I so remember. Stop it. I remember back in the day and this is like I this is back to senior week high school. And I remember we probably were drinking or something, whatever. Shame on us. But it was a group of my best friends. And I remember one of my best friends, Ashley, like we went around the circle. We start saying like good things that we liked about each other. Right. And I remember. At that point in my life. I don't know if I was hearing those nice things all the time. And yes, they were coming from my parents, right? But they're your parents. So my dad comes and says, oh, you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. You're like, all right, dad. Like, Unless, and it you're, was-
0: <laughs> Unless you're my mom, when she's like, it's about time you got some disappointment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. But when it comes from your parents, it hits different, right? But when it comes to friends and people, and I don't know why, but at that time, you look for validation from other people. And that's very important to you at that, at that time in your life. And I remember us going around and the things they were saying about me were, for me, were like, oh my God. Like, oh, I wish I had, they were like, I wish I had your long legs. I'm like, really? Because at that time, because at at that I was considered tall and I didn't like to be considered tall because everyone else was kind of average height and I wanted to be like everyone else. So when they were saying that, I'm like, oh my God, it's some of the things that I dislike about myself or the compliments that I'm getting that people love about me. And I remember that feeling. And obviously I remember that because that was so long ago and I'm 36 years old, still talking about it. But I remember that was my first taste of you just, the things that you may not like about yourself are some of the things that someone else loves about you Yeah, and understand that and how important that is. And self-love is the best kind of love. I mean, look at this. Uh, self-care club Club. yeah that's what my sweatshirt says so just understand that you know that's really important and you know self-love and self-care and self-confidence are some of the best things that you could give to yourself and hug yourself more be gentle with yourself more and love who you are and start within first and that will radiate out
0: And I love, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou is, once you know better, do better. Yep. And hopefully in the very least, this conversation has helped you to rethink the beauty industry a bit and know more about it so that you can show up better for yep. yourself. But then also the people around you, like the little girls and, and you know, your friends and, and people that maybe are having off
1: days yeah be that mirror. be that person. so if you guys are listening, please, if you don't already, follow us on instagram at trustme underscore the underscore podcast. We are now on Apple, Apple Podcasts yeah. and Spotify, so please follow us, subscribe, like us, five stars, dm us with any topics you guys want us to talk about. We'll talk about them. And most importantly, we guys, we cannot wait for you guys to tune in and love yourself. Take care, everybody. Bye.